0: Anymore. Now it's full of trouble. Now bad things happen. Now you have days where life just doesn't make sense and it isn't fun. Maybe like your first day back to school for some of you. (laughs) I have to read all of that. (laughs) My teacher, can I have a different one? I mean, you're going to have days like that. You're going to have days where you get sick. You can't do the things you had planned. You miss out on these great opportunities you built up for. Maybe the days where you're the object of injustice and slander. Days of darkness, and the writer says, you're going to have a lot of those days. That's the way it is now in this world. Unpleasant days. And we know from the Bible why that is that way. It's because of human sin. Adam's sin in the garden, followed by the sins of many, many other people, followed by your own sins. All of us have departed from God's good intention for the world and for our lives, so we've gone astray at specific moments in our lives. We've ignored God, and that's sin, and that brings in the darkness. But is the darkness supposed to overwhelm us and take away all the rejoicing? Scripture says no, rather rejoice in all your years, it says. Yeah, I know about the days of darkness. There are many of them, and I've experienced many of them, and I'm still telling you, rejoice in all of your years. (laughs) Sin hasn't wiped out everything. The sun is still there. The color green is still there. The mountains are still there. And most importantly, God is still there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Which was said from a prison cell by the Apostle Paul. A day of darkness in which he's rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in all your years. There should be joy in your life. That's that's a word about life. In all your years, you have reason to do it, even in the dark days. And that's especially one of the beautiful things about living with Christ, living, knowing our God and our Savior, is that He brings joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And that's a testimony to the world that there's something more. And so, joy is what we pursue. (laughs) So that's why we have a command, rejoice in all your years because we're tempted not to. But it's our our right to do it. We have reason to do it because of God's gifts and because of God Himself. So that's the word about life. There should be joy in your life. Let's pursue joy. Let's know our God. Here's a word to the young. Now we're going to get specific, young and old. Word to the young is, Don't waste your youth. Find your joy in God early in life. So that's what I started with. Don't waste your youth. Find your joy in God early, early in life. Here's why I say that. First, the command to be joyful is obvious here. The command for the young to be joyful is obvious here. Listen to all the commands. Listen to this. This is verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, O oh young man, in your youth. <laughs> That's clear. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Cheer up. <laughs> Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Remove vexation from your heart. That vexation is what annoys you, what frustrates you, what worries you, what you're fearful of. It says, remove that. Get that out of your heart. Let your heart cheer you. (laughs) Put away pain from your body. That would be unnecessary pain, pain that can be alleviated. If you got a headache, it's okay to take something for it. (laughs) You don't have to live with that if you have the option. Those are all all commands. That's all good stuff. It, It sounds like There's a command here to go and enjoy yourself, to go and rejoice and be happy. It sounds like God is giving you license to be happy, (laughs) to try things out, what seems interesting to you, walk in the ways of your heart, the sight of your eyes. And in fact, he is. (laughs) He's giving you license to be happy. God is not against your happiness. You young people. (laughs) In fact, he commands it. Let your heart cheer you. Cheer up. This is a command to the young in particular. So if you thought Christianity and the Bible and Jesus and God was somehow restricting your happiness, it isn't. (laughs) This God who made you does enjoy your happiness. And he commands you to rejoice. To see young people rejoicing and enjoying life is the way it should be. In fact, one of the pictures of the restoration of God's people that we have in the Old Testament is this image. Here's Zechariah 8, 4 and 5. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. (laughs) God loves to see boys and girls playing in the streets as much as He likes to see the old people on their staff. Rejoice in your youth. That's God's command to you from Holy Scripture. Now, here's a question. Is that simply a rejoicing in ultimate Frisbee? Music, movies, camping, friendships, good food, things like that. Is this just about pursuing all the pleasures that the world offers? Is that what the writer, whom we assume to be Solomon, is that what he's telling you to do? Just go indulge. Whatever you think, whatever makes you happy, just go do it. Is that what this is? No. No, it isn't. We already know that because in the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer has said over and over and over again, you're not going to find satisfaction and meeting just from pursuing the pleasures of the world. He's already tried that, and he says it doesn't work. Ecclesiastes 2.1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold this also was vanity. This also couldn't do it for me. This was fleeting. This was here and gone, and it didn't leave me with anything substantial and lasting. Even if you indulge every desire you have, if that's all you can rejoice in, you will be in the end, like Solomon, disappointed, and you'll be saying to yourself, is this all that there is? No, the key to lasting real Joy is God. That's been the theme in this whole book. Without Him, you can't have anything really substantial, lasting, and eternal. Specifically, the God who's revealed Himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. To have real joy is to live your life under the sun with a delight in the God who gave you the Son by which you can live. Ecclesiastes 2.25, For apart from Him, that is apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? God is the real source of joy. We're to rejoice in God. We're to rejoice in the things of this world only as gifts from Him. We maximize our joy by knowing God and living according to his will. And when God is the center, when God is the source of our joy and the real substance of it, then we can enjoy these gifts gladly in their proper place, in their lesser place, as just gifts and not as God himself. We know that God is the source and center of the joy that this man's commanding here because there's two references to God in this section. that that qualify what he's talking about. First is in verse 9. After saying, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, which sounds like a blanket, carte blanche, do whatever you want. After that, he says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. In other words, enjoy life. But as you're doing it, know that God has the final say in what you rejoice in, as to whether it's good or not. And he has something to say about it. (laughs) Know that God is the final and authoritative judge who rules on what you do. There are things that he does not allow. There are things that he commands. Our job is to know the boundaries that he set and stay within those. Which we know those boundaries by knowing his will, by being in His Word, by being in fellowship. That directs us. The Holy Spirit directs us by those means. You see, sin has corrupted man's pleasures so that sometimes we enjoy what we shouldn't and sometimes we don't enjoy what we should. We shouldn't enjoy pornography. We should enjoy God's Word. We shouldn't enjoy... In- independence we should enjoy doing life together with other believers we shouldn't enjoy self indulgence we should enjoy self-control and so forth so rejoice O young person in your youth do it it's a real command pursue that happiness but in accordance with god's will that's a command to follow the example of jesus who always did what pleased the Father. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. That's how Jesus operated. I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. Your law is guiding me and directing me. Your law is telling me the boundaries of what is a pleasing thing to do for God. What I really ought to rejoice in doing. And so I'm delighting to do that thing, (laughs) which you will do if the Holy Spirit lives in you. Not, Not every day we're still subject to sin. We're still not there yet, not perfect. But He lives within us, and He's creating these new desires for what's good. And we delight in it. Now, in this vast world of opportunities... That could include snowboarding. (laughs) It could. (laughs) Maybe even bungee jumping. I don't know. (laughs) If you can do it with a clear conscience that God is pleased, if it doesn't violate any of his principles, uh, that it would be received as a gift from him and it's not your whole life, then go for it. I think some things people do are crazy, but... Depends on where your heart is, why you're doing it, what you're trying to get out of it. But it's also going to include other things like going to Bolivia and digging holes in the dirt to figure out how to improve their sewage system so that the orphans can have a better life. For Jesus' sake. <laughs> it could include going to Rancho 3M. It can include... Befriending a non Christian and doing the hard work of crossing the bridge over to their side so that you can tell them more and show them more about Christ that they might get saved. That is something to rejoice in. That would be according to his will. Oh, that we might delight to do that. And we can delight in the promises of God, rejoice in the promises of God, even on the days of darkness. So, the command to the young to rejoice is a command to maximize your joy. And you maximize your joy by being within the bounds of what God has designed for us to do his good and acceptable and perfect will, and knowing your God. That's reinforced by the other mention of God here. It's in chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember your Creator. It doesn't just mean remember that you have one. <laughs> that would be all that religion requires of you. Remember there's a Creator. No, but a person, a personal God, Jesus, who came in the flesh to die for your sins and who said, follow me, uh, that person there is saying, remember me and follow me and, and live as I'm instructing you to do and believe what I have taught you. Don't just remember that there is a creator, but follow that creator, submit to that creator, yield to him, be continually living, conscious of him, and that he has purposes for your life. As Ephesians 2.10 says, good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This creator has has something for you to do, specific. He's given you certain gifts and abilities, personality, location, etc., for purposes, good works, to walk in. And when we're doing it, it's a source of guilt-free joy, pure joy, and enjoyment that has has no shame in it. Um, I like preaching. (laughs) And I don't really like being in front of people, but I love to do this because God's given me this to do. And when I do it, I feel his pleasure. And I feel his work in me. That's what, it hap- that's what happens. There's joy to be had there in walking according to God's design. It's a life of faith in Christ our Savior and following him and doing the things that he does. Here's a way of telling if your joy is the kind of joy that this scripture is talking about as a youth as a young person. You ask yourself, does knowing and serving Christ give me as much pleasure as my entertainment and my interests? Does knowing and serving Christ give me as much pleasure as my entertainment and my interests? And if not, you have something to look forward to. (laughs) Because the joy you're getting out of that other thing right now, there's better joy with Christ because he's the source. He's the only one that even makes that thing have anything good about it, but he's the source. And to know him is better than that. So you have something to look forward to if thus far you're getting way more enjoyment out of movies and music and camping and stuff than you are out of Reading the word and praying and receiving God's help for things and being involved in other people's lives. There's, you have something to look forward to. That's a better joy. You can only fight sin with a better pleasure. It's the only thing that works. Christ is the better pleasure. Paul said that. He said, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He had lots of things he could enjoy, but he says, oh, Christ is better. He's so much better. So rejoice, O young person, in your youth as someone who lives in the presence of God who made you and loves you enough to send his only son to die for you. So the word to the young is to not waste your life on mere pleasure-seeking, but rejoice in God and his gifts to you. The light to do His will. Find your joy in God early in life. And there's a sense of urgency about this command because the writer goes on to say there is coming a time sooner than you think when the opportunities and advantages of youth are gone. Listen to chapter 12. We're going to go through this in some detail here. But here's how it starts in verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. What are the evil days of which you say, I have no pleasure in them? He's talking about old age and the end of life. Evil here doesn't mean evil in the sense of moral evil, but the sense of affliction, difficulty, suffering, things that result from evil entering into the world. And you're going to experience that in old age, he says. Some sooner than that, we have young sufferers in this church. But all will experience it if we live many years. That's what the verses that follow talk about. They're about old age and the end of life when you're no longer able to do the things that you can do when you're young. And like the 80-year-old aunt who said, I don't know where the time went, it'll be here before you know it. Listen to the description of old age from verses 2 to 7. It's pictured as the coming of unpleasant days. Uh, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. So if it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun, days of darkness are unpleasant days. There's trouble. There's going to be trouble. And he says, it's going to happen. (laughs) Here's what the trouble looks like. The keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent. Meaning there's frailty that develops when you get old. I remember my grandpa, he farmed for 80 years, and he used to be very intimidating. (laughs) The guy was strapping strong, and he could cuss like a sailor, and uh, you didn't want to be on his wrong side. He was an intimidating, strong dude, and I remember him before he died, stooped shuffling along in his slippers in the house. No longer intimidating. The keepers of the house tremble. The strong men are bent. It's frailty. That's you someday, if you live many years. The grinders cease because they are few. Probably a reference to your teeth. You're missing some. Especially in the era where they didn't have all the great dental stuff we have. You lose teeth. When you get old, those who look through the windows are dimmed, probably a reference to failing eyesight. The doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low, probably hearing loss is pictured there. Can't hear it because, you know, even though it's the same volume, you can't hear it anymore. One rises up at the sound of a bird, meaning he or she sleeps lightly. Wake up to any little noise. Can't stay asleep. All the daughters of song are brought low, probably a reference to vocal cords. Your voice isn't as resilient as it used to be. Your speech is affected. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. A reference to losing strength and balance. You don't go on the roof anymore to adjust your swamp cooler. (laughs) You have the kids do it for you. You worry about falling and breaking a hip. You don't want to go for a walk because you might get mugged. You're vulnerable. You're unable to defend yourself. You're not confident driving in rush hour traffic because your reflexes aren't the same as they used to be. Terrors are on the way. The almond tree blossoms, probably a reference to white hair. The almond tree has white blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. You used to be so spry, so energetic, bouncing all over the place, but now you shuffle, drag yourself along. Your energy is greatly reduced. Desire fails. Your zest for life decreases. Sexual desire disappears. Even the joys of food and drink and meaningful toil are not that thrilling anymore. You used to have so many things you wanted to do and experience, and now you're just too tired. J.I. Packer, in his 90s, said, There comes a point at which the elderly realize that of all the things they wanted to do, they have done all they can, and the rest are now permanently out of reach. And then finally, there's the reality of dying. Man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about in the streets. And then that's followed with illustrations of things coming to an end, broken things. The silver cord is snapped. The golden bowl is broken. The pitcher is shattered at the fountain. The wheel broken at the cistern. These are all images of death, the end of a person's life, when the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Do you see why the preacher Ecclesiastes is putting all this description of old age and death here? It's because He wants you, young people, to remember your Creator, to rejoice in doing His will before this happens to you. Before it's too late to dream big dreams and do great things in Jesus' name. And to know your God for a lifetime instead of thief on the cross last moment. Right now, while you're 15, 20, 30, maybe a young 40, you still have the energy and the opportunities, and most likely the years and decades in front of you, to make a positive difference in the world. And it's just the fact that when you get old, your energy and your opportunities decrease. So, do you want to be an architect, an engineer, a lawyer who does a lot of good for the world? Well, you start that path in your teens, and your 20s, not in your 50s and 60s. Do you want to raise a family and pass faith on to the next generation? You do that in your 20s and your 30s, not not your 70s. Do you want to translate the Bible into a new language or plant a church or build an orphanage or start a nonprofit? The time to do that is before desire fails before your strength fails, while you are still young. that's not to say that some people don't stay active and vibrant into old age. I'm hoping to do that. (laughs) My mom still shovels the snow off her roof at 79. She's not yet afraid of what is high. (laughs) My grandpa farmed until he was 92. But there are no 100-year-olds climbing Mount Everest. Sooner or later, old age takes its toil. So take advantage of the energy and the opportunities that youth affords. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth and delight to do His will. One old theologian from the past said, Many have remembered God too late, but none too early agreed I want to end with one more thing does this mean that if you're old you have nothing to look forward to <laughs> that you have nothing to rejoice in that your youth your usefulness is over <laughs> not at all so let me close with the word to the old and don't despise that word we don't want to think of ourselves that way. I don't like to think of myself that way. But hey, I'm 55, and when I was 19, I thought that was super old. I'm older than my dad was when I graduated from college. You know, He was in his 40s. I'm older than he was, and I thought he was old. Then, I'm starting to experience the things that are mentioned in this chapter. So remember the beginning of our passage, though. Can we rejoice? Can we rejoice in our old age? Yes, we can. It said, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. If you live many years, don't just rejoice in the young years. Rejoice in the old ones, too. Rejoice in them all because I've invested into life something to enjoy, reasons to rejoice. Gifts and myself, God. So yes, Yes, everyone, old people included, can rejoice. We have reasons to rejoice, and I want to name four of them. This isn't just for the old crowd right now. This is for you, young crowd, if you get there someday. (laughs) Don't think that it's only in the youth that your life matters. There's some reasons in the older days to also rejoice. Here's the four that I can think of, mostly from this text. Reasons we can rejoice. First of all, know that your life is valuable in God's eyes. Your life is valuable in God's eyes when you're old, too. Notice the analogies that are used to describe the end of life in verse 6. When life ends, it's a silver cord that's snapped or a golden bowl that's broken. That's precious stuff. Those are valuable things. They're precious things that are ending. Your life is considered precious in the sight of God right up to the moment when it breaks and it ends. You might be made to feel like baggage or a weight to society because of all of your medical problems. But God sees silver and gold in the life of his beloved. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 116. So, God sees you as valuable. You can rejoice in that in your old age. Second, you have been and will still be useful in God's purposes. You have been and you will still be useful in God's purposes to the end of your life. Again, verse 6, it speaks of the end of your life as a shattered pitcher, a broken wheel at the cistern. Those are pictures of useful things, things that you need to draw water with. That's what keeps you alive. And he's saying that's what your life is like right up to the moment when it shatters. Like a useful pitcher, like like a, a, a wheel that pulls water up out of the ground, Even old believers are vessels for honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, according to 2 Timothy 2.21. In fact, it could be that your older years are the most fruitful years of your life at God's purposes. And if that just sounds like a pep talk, let me give you an example of it. There's a story of a man named Barzillai. Everybody knows Barzillai right it's in Second Samuel 17 and 19. He was 80 years old, late in the reign of King David, when his son Absalom created a rebellion and wanted to become king. And so David fled for his life because Absalom sent out an army to go after him and put David to death. So if you were somebody who aided David in that moment, you're taking a big risk because you're aligning yourself with the rightful king, but not the rebel king. (laughs) Well, Barzillai aided David. David comes into town with his men, and Barzillai's got some wealth and a place to stay and food, and so he shelters and provides for David and his men while Absalom is in control and sending out an army. So this is a big act of faith that Barzillai takes, and later on it gets resolved and David becomes the king again, and he offers Barzillai a place at his table for the rest of his life. You know, Come to Jerusalem, stay with me, I'll take care of you forever. And Barzillai says, no, I can't, I'm too old, because he was 80. He was 80 years old. And he says, I can't really enjoy food anymore or singing, and I'll just stay home. (laughs) Why is that story in the Bible? Well, this is the only thing that we know about about Barzillai. This is the one great act of faith for which he is remembered for all time. And it happened when he was old. It's there to remind us that usefulness is connected to faith more than it is connected to age. Faith makes you useful. Old age is a time of usefulness. Psalm 92.14 says, Of the righteous, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. That could be the greatest service that you perform in your old age is to be in your infirmity, in all of your stooped overness and hearing loss and sight loss, and, and be saying, The Lord is good to the younger generation. The Lord is good. The Lord stays with me. The Lord's kept his promises. That's usefulness. Jerry Bridges was still writing and teaching and traveling up till his death at 86. J.I. Packer's 91, and he's still writing. Jim Downing of The Navigator still travels and speaks to college students at 104. (laughs) He's the first or second oldest Pearl Harbor survivor. It could be that your main ministry in the end of your life is prayer. I read a book about an old pastor in Spain who, who was a pastor for 55 years and he retired. And he said, I used to talk to people about God. Now I talk to God about people. Still going at it. Still useful. We just talked about prayer, how important it is. That's a worthy thing to do in your old age. Third reason to rejoice in your later years. God will be enough for you in your old age. God will be enough for you. There's a promise in Isaiah 46, 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. I can't think of a better retirement plan than to have God himself say, I will carry you. I will save you when you go gray, when you get stooped. Don't trust in your 401k. If you want to have one, great. That's wise. But I'm the one who's going to carry you if you don't have one. I'm a living God. And you're my beloved. He'll carry us all the way through to Glory. And that's the fourth reason to rejoice. Older people are closer to being with Jesus than the young, most likely. We know that people die young, too. But as far as we can tell, older people are closer to being with Jesus than the young. Verses 5 and 7, man is going to his eternal home, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Those are the reminders of how death ends. It's, it's going home forever. It's going home to God. It's, it's the eternal rejoicing. You see, for a believer in Jesus, the story doesn't end with your knees giving out and your failing eyes and you're shuffling along with no energy and then a coffin. Many people see old age that way, but the story doesn't end there. It ends with being in the presence of God and in the presence of glory and in the presence of Jesus, whom you will see with your eyes. And one day with an imperishable, amazing body that is ever young. Life for the believer ends with life beyond what we can imagine. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. <laughs> you think you can imagine what God has prepared? You can't imagine it. That's what he's saying. That's Paul, 2, 1 Corinthians 2, nine, And it's just around the corner for you. When you're old. This week the Lord gave me a new picture of that hope. A new reference point for what God has in store for us. The moment that we close our eyes in death. Well we went to see the total solar eclipse in Wyoming. So did you Andy, I saw your post. We went with some family and friends. And I have to say, the total eclipse is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Not an exaggeration. Never seen anything like it. Don't think anything can really compare to it. It really was that spectacular. And I think the reason is, is because it's so transcendent. It's just so outside of us. You can't touch it or change it. Um, You can't walk up to it. it. It's just out there. But at the same time, it's near. It's like you're seeing the solar system come up close all of a sudden because there's this object in front of this other object and and you're looking right at it and it, it looks like I'm seeing the solar system here with my own eyes. It, it just it's just so fascinating. But here's what happens before you can see that that sight. First you have to look through these special dark glasses because you can't look at the sun even when it's partially eclipsed. So you look through these glasses and you see this orange dot and then it becomes a Pac-Man. And then it becomes a little sliver that looks like the moon, except it's orange through your glasses. And you're thinking, when it's finally done, when, it, when the moon goes all the way over it, it's just going to get dark. And that's it. But then you take off your glasses, and you go, whoa. It's not dark. There's a new thing there. It's called the corona, and it's not yellow. It's white sparkly bluish streams coming out from all sides and it was always there but you could never see it until it got completely dark in front of the sun that's my new reference point for life after death you're you're aging to you it seems like the light is going out getting darker and darker and you think that when I close my eyes in death it'll just be all dark but it won't be you'll see something new (laughs) you'll see something you couldn't imagine and it was always there but you couldn't see it because now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face and it won't be anything like you can imagine That's nearer to you if you're old than if you're young, most likely. That's a reason to rejoice. So, the word to the older is rejoice in these things. You have just as much reason as the young. It just looks different. Let none of us, young or old, waste our life on lesser things. Rejoice in God and remember your creator. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to despair. I mean, there's so many dark days. You know it. We know it. You wrote it. This is reality. And yet, if we live many years, let us rejoice in them all. Give us that sense of your nearness and your presence. So much so that we do find our joy in you and it's enough to overwhelm all the days of darkness. We have a reason to do it. May we do it, Lord, as, as you give us strength for our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.